The future is bright, especially if we build for it. Welcome to Architecting the Future, a podcast for the builders of tomorrow, all about people, process, and technology. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, this is Scott Saracen from RTS Labs, and welcome to this week's session of the series, Architecting the Future. I have with me today, Neil Nicholson from Sorensen Communications, and he will discuss the topics uh, under the category of digital transformation and architecting the future. So Neil, welcome and thank you for participating in the podcast. Thank you for the opportunity, I appreciate it. Okay, great. Uh, first of all, could you introduce yourself, your role, your background? Sure. Um, so I have been an IT leader for about 25-ish years. Currently the CIO at a company called Sorensen Communications. We provide uh, phone and communication services for both the deaf and the hard of hearing. Um, we're in the midst of a pretty major transformation now. I've been with the company for about eight months and they brought me in to modernize and agilize and whatever else you can think of as we think about growing well beyond our current model of business and into global expansion and just doing things more quickly, more rapidly, and doing a lot more new product development and expansion. Great, thank you. So I mentioned digital transformation. How would you describe digital transformation in your context? And maybe what are some examples from your experience? Sure. sure. You know, I think of digital transformation really as, if you, if you think about it, I, if we think about the history of enterprise compute, for most of the history of enterprise compute, IT and technology played a support role. The organization defined its needs and we developed technology to meet those needs. Well, in the last, let's say 10-ish years, I think technology advancements in things like social, mobile, analytics, and cloud have changed that relationship where now all business opportunities, all organizational possibilities are defined and driven by technology. And so that relationship has changed before technology played a support role. Now technology plays an opportunity and lead role. And so in any organizational environment, you ask the question, how can we use technology to advance the cause of the organization? Where before we, other factors defined what we did. Now, all of the opportunities, this is my thesis, my claim, all of the opportunities come from technology. And so if I'm a provider of whatever types of services. I'll give you an example. At Sorensen, we are a telecom company for the most part, but how can we improve our customer experience? How can we improve our employee experience through the use of, through the innovative use of technologies? How can we use artificial intelligence and machine learning to improve our services? What new products can we develop? For example, we, as a company, we don't retain any of this information, but we are involved in personal communications between our customers and whoever they're talking to on the phone. We don't want to 
ever be creepy with how we we don't retain any of that data. We don't infer anything from that data. But what could we learn from the condition of our customers? Uh, is there sentiment analysis, for example, we could do to know if somebody's maybe not doing as well as they should? Are there additional ways that we could use technology in our existing services to improve the life of our customers? So those are the types of things we're looking at. Now, to tie back to some of the other elements of digital transformation, in order to seize these opportunities, we also have to significantly improve both our organizational and our IT and technology agility, as well as our delivery. Um, so part of the way I have implemented digital transformation in my life and in my roles is saying, how can we, how can we speed up and also improve the quality of our delivery? And I think that factors heavily into my role as an IT leader as well, because my delivery has to be incredible so that both I and my team have the credibility to lead the organization into the future. So for me, digital transformation comes down to really four things. We have to focus our innovation on what's gonna create a better customer and employee experience. Secondly, we have to using a combination of agile methods and lean and service management tools we have to significantly improve our operational excellence and our delivery. Third, we have to loosely couple everything because in an environment where everything's driven by technology and the pace of technology change is incredibly fast, I want to future-proof the organization by loosely coupling everything. And from an architectural perspective, historically I focused a lot on reusability of services. Now I focus more on replaceability of services. As a real pragmatic example, I, I avoid as much as I can long-term contracts. I dislike three-year contracts. Maybe two years is too long because what's the environment gonna be like in two to three years? And will that technology provider still be the leader that I need him to be? So, so that ties into loose coupling. And the last thing I think we've got to do as IT professionals is also change our leadership model and empower more and really distribute the subject matter expertise that we may have individually across our teams so that we avoid being a bottleneck, avoid a culture, that's driven by permission that no one can act without permission from somebody else because that just slows us down at a time when we need to be moving really really quickly so there's a long rambling answer to a pretty simple question oh that's great and, and that that question probably would be answered you know differently for anybody who is answering that question so that was great insight thank you um, you may have touched on some of these items, but what are some of the other business or technology challenges within your industry? Uh, on our industry in particular, one of the things we've got to sort through is changing customer behaviors tied to changing technologies. So for our deaf customers, we provide a video 
service so that when they make a phone call or somebody calls them, that call goes through a sign language interpreter who can then interpret the call for the deaf person. For the hard of hearing, we use a captioning device so that the voice is turned into text so the hard of hearing customer can read the conversation. Um, captioning in particular is now embedded in a lot of services. Um, our hard of hearing customers, one of the characteristics is they tend to be older. And so now we're getting into new generations of older persons who are more used to texting than calling. So there are some customer behavior things that are influencing our industry in general. And so that brings to it, okay, how do we adapt to that? What do we need to do differently from a product perspective, from a service perspective, so that we recognize the changing form factor and usage patterns of our customers so that we can still stay relevant in their lives. Okay, great. How are either where you currently work, Neil, or in, in your past, how are improvements in, in workflow and business processes helping to contribute to the bottom line? Yeah, that's a great question because I think one of the, a lot of times with, when it comes to digital transformation or digitizing an organization, we think about what it means in terms of new products and new services to take to the market. But there's an equally important factor, which is the digitization, the transformation of work processes. Because there are a lot of technologies that will automate things. But how do we leverage those? And so kind of my approach has always been, I want to look at the transactional flows, the work processes of the organization, and ask, how can I reduce the friction and turbulence in those processes and then apply technology to automate. So let's look at how much exception handling we do. Do we really need those exceptions? Do we really need 4,000 ways to create an invoice or will one invoice do? One of the filters I sort of overlay on things is, will this activity create market differentiation for us if it won't, like sending an invoice, it's unlikely I win new business because I create 4,000 flavors of invoice. If it won't, then there is no benefit to what I call wackiness. Let's not do things in a non-standard way. Let's not handle exceptions because those become friction and those become turbulence that limit my ability to automate, to standardize, then automate. And as I standardize and automate those transactional processes, those flows through the organization, it allows me to do, have two wonderful things happen. First, it improves my speed and agility. And secondly, it reduces my costs so that I can invest in innovation and also so that I can just improve my bottom line. Great, thank you. And one follow-up question, and you may have touched on this. Um, in in gaining efficiencies and in, in the improvements you talked about with workflow and, and business processes, is, is it gaining efficiencies and, and cost reduction or is it increasing the revenue streams or both? I think it's both because I think if you, if you 
improve flow and improve flow, flow by reducing the friction and also through automation. It can help you on the revenue side because you can, it improves your organizational agility and you can just do things faster. Hmm. I'll give you an example. At my previous employer, we had a very, very complex ERP. When I first got there, I cataloged about 24,000 customizations to the ERP and it slowed us down in every way. India some years ago had implemented a new tax structure. Um, the ERP provider had created a module to handle the new Indian GST tax. Because of the number of customizations we had in our accounting flows and our tax flows, it took us about six months to implement that module where for people without that much com process complexity, it took them maybe a week or two. So can I go to the market? Can I win in the marketplace with improved agility and speed? Because one of the overriding factors in everything we do now is that our customers aren't just comparing us to our immediate competition. They're comparing us to the best experience they've had. And so how do I compare from an agility perspective to the market leaders, not necessarily in my market, but in the world in terms of agility and speed? So I do think there's a revenue benefit. There's a customer satisfaction benefit. There's a growth benefit to speed and agility. And then in addition, there's, there's, you can reduce the cost because all that turbulence, all that friction just slows things down. Clearly, if you've got manual processes, automating those away is going to help change your cost structure and let you free up both the people and the money to work on innovation and how to improve your products and services. Okay. I'm going to move into a little bit of a different direction uh, with the next question. How are data management, data strategies improving your business? It's a, it's a great question. And it's one we're sort of sorting through right now. Clearly, I, well, not clearly. For me, data has always been an important part of my role as an IT leader because I want to improve decision-making. And so I ask the organization three questions. What decisions would you like to be able to make? Second, what data or information do we need in order to make those decisions? And third, where are we going to get the data? Because if I, if I approach it this way, I'm focused on the value of the data, which is in decision making. Who are my best customers? Who are my worst? I, years ago, I was the CIO at a university and we did a, a really compelling data analysis of our students to identify which students were at risk and which ones were not. And we ended up consuming several thousand data elements about a student and putting that together because the decision we wanted to make was which students are at risk and therefore which students need, on which students do we need to focus our support and attention. In order to make that decision, here's the data we need and where do we get that information? In some cases, we, for some of the data, we invented and created systems to capture the data we didn't have. 
But the net result was once we knew now through our decision-making process, which students were at risk and therefore needed our help and support, we increased our graduate graduation rate by 10 percentage points. So to me, that's an example of how we focus on decision-making and then use a data strategy to support those decisions. And I think any organization, no matter where, how good they are today or how bad, can significantly improve outcomes just by asking, what would we like to know? What do I need in order to know that? And then where do I get it? And that to me has defined the data strategies I've done in the past. And we're in the process of doing that right now at Swanson as we think about how do we improve our products and services? How do we improve service levels to our customers? How do we make their lives better? Well, let's ask those questions and answer those. Okay, good, great. Thank you. Um, what trends, Neil, as you look into the future, what, what trends are you seeing is very important in the coming few years? I, you know, I think there were a few. If, if we look at the, the social, mobile, analytics, and cloud acronym, the SMAC acronym, I think the more interesting ones are all driven by analytics, which is driven by data. We're gathering more and more data. We as individuals seem very willing to provide more data so we can consume that data and we can, and that informs our models. The machines get smarter with the better data sets and can make better decisions and we can automate more. And so I think the driver for everything that's gonna happen in the future is gonna be based on data and advanced analytics. It's gonna help us segment, sub-segment, micro-segment, and get to the point where we can help somebody at a moment in time because our data sets have been good and rich enough that we can help them in real time. Um, I think to a certain extent, mobile and cloud support that because they become data capture mechanisms for us. And so I think to me, everything that I see that's interesting happen, that happens in the future is based on advanced analytics. And it applies not just to me as a consumer or me as a, as somebody who needs healthcare or dental care or whatever I'm doing in my life, but how can we improve cybersecurity and privacy with better analytics, better modeling, better, better, better? How can I improve operational performance? How can I reduce downtime? I think there's a, an opportunity now through better data capture and data analysis for us to enrich everyone's lives. Okay, that's great. Good time for just a couple more questions here we'll squeeze in. Um, what is your experience over all of your experience in, in different companies and things you've seen in your career? What is your experience with sort of the balance between managing packaged software versus sure. where you need custom solutions sure. and application development? So in becoming the angry, bitter IT leader that I am today, I have done an awful lot of software selection and implementation projects. <clears throat> and I once, one of my first big 
projects as a new CIO was an ERP implementation. The company gave me 14 months, $27 million and a team of a hundred people to replace a system that no longer supported the organization. Hmm. My important, most important learning from that was we spent 14 months and $27 million in the efforts of a hundred people just because we didn't know any better, replicating, not replacing the system that no longer supported our business because that's what people knew. And so from that, I came up with sort of a, this, this model that I've referred to earlier. I look at every activity in the organization in two dimensions. To what extent will the activity create competitive advantage? To what extent is it things I've got to do better than anybody else to win in the marketplace? And the other dimension is to what extent is a mission critical? Well, if I look at every activity in those two dimensions, there are a few things that are both mission critical, but also define my strategic competitive advantage. Those deserve my innovation because I've got to do those better than anybody else. Now, there's a whole bunch of things that are mission critical, meaning I can't live without them. I can't do them poorly. We depend on them every day, but we'll never create competitive advantage. In general, my entire ERP suite falls into that category. It's unlikely I'm gonna win in the marketplace based on the structure of my general ledger, my chart of accounts. It's unlikely I'm gonna win in the marketplace because of the way I have structured my purchase requisition rules. It's unlikely I'm gonna win in the marketplace because of the way I create an invoice. So those are the things where I just, my hard and fast rule is, unless it creates competitive advantage, there is no reason to customize. Yet in practice, because that's where most of the employees of the organization spend their time is in those, I call parity activities. There's a natural tendency to try and do them differently from how they come out of the box. And so that's kind of my approach has been I'm going to leverage the innovation of the market leaders in those categories. I don't need to change the accounting system as it comes from the provider. Likewise, I probably don't need to customize my network architecture. I don't win in the marketplace because I've got a superior network architecture. So why even try and do that? I'll just take the reference architecture from network architecture from the leader. We're doing a project right now where we're doing a massive cloud migration. We don't need to create a cloud landing zone. That's, that code's been cracked. That's a proven thing. So we're just gonna leverage what somebody else has already successfully developed. And so that kind of defines my rules around customization versus adoption of standards. Now there are some things that are gonna create our competitive advantage. And for those, we'll, we'll spend our time and our brain power making those better than anybody else in the world. That deserves our innovation, the other things don't. Okay, that's great, thank you. Um, final question, we're closing here on, on the session. Um, are there any other related points now that we've talked through all these questions and such, anything, any other final thoughts that you'd like to mention at this time? I just think right now is, the, is a wonderful time to be in IT and in particular an IT leader because we get to guide the organization into the future. 
um, it's it's the time we've waited for and worked for because technology drives everything. That means we need to take on the role of leader, guider, influencer, and think about what makes that a reality, what makes that true for us, and then make the appropriate changes, the associated changes in our approach to life, in ourselves, in our leadership style, and also in our teams. Thank you, Neil. I really appreciate all your comments and your great insight. Um, this was a, a great session. Uh, thank you for your time. And uh, this podcast will be posted in, um, in the RTS Labs Spotify channel. And uh, we look forward to further activity in the future as well. Thank you. Thank you.